0: and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andy?
1: I'm doing pretty good, Jarian. How are you?
0: Doing pretty well. Excited to get around to this month in EUC. Um, so once again, we have Case Baggerman um, and Thomas Brown back on with us to talk about you know what's been going on in the last month of EUC.
2: Hey guys, how are you doing? Yeah, thank, uh, thanks for having us back.
1: Always a pleasure to have the, uh, the, the 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 collective heads of complainers uh, at, the, at the same table to talk about what's happened there in our industry in the last uh, last month or so. Uh, we were going to do it last month, um, and then we were going to do it this month, and then I had a look at what has actually changed in our industry in the last couple of weeks uh, slash months, and to be honest, it's been pretty damn quiet. Uh, a lot of stuff to test, a lot of stuff to, to look at, but I as mean, far as product announcements and that kind of stuff, it's been fairly quiet. Suppose that the two largest uh, pieces of news we're probably going to cover it first. Uh, I mean, obviously, to anybody who didn't see it, AppSense was acquired by Landesk. Uh, if you're not familiar with AppSense, um, I'd be surprised, but they're, uh, they're an end user uh, kind of competing. Uh, User environment management, uh, security management, performance management suite of products. They they cut their teeth on Citrix back when it was terminal Services, and now they're they've been doing very well for themselves. They took some funding from venture capital a couple of years ago. That didn't go too well. They called a whole load of staff, and now they've uh, they've been acquired. But um, we've got a, we've got absent on actually. Consequently, in in a in an upcoming podcast, and they tell us a little bit more about that move. Did, did they, was anybody surprised to see this acquisition? Yes. Oh, yes, I was. Did you Did you see it coming? I, I didn't see the vendor, or like the, the, the purchaser, but I saw an acquisition on the horizon of, of some description. I mean, obviously, the Goldman Sachs were going to want their money back at some point, you know. And uh, not not a discredit to Absence. I mean, that they, they're very popular. Like they're they're in a lot of big accounts, you know. And it's a very good product. I'm just not sure what happened there. So no, I I was not I was not. uh I I did not see Landesk being the purchaser, um, but I did think they were going to be acquired. Yeah, yeah Supposedly
2: yeah. they were shopping for a buyer for a while, but yeah, I don't think anybody saw Landesk coming. But uh, that's a, that's an interesting play. It kind of brings Landesk into the the EUC era, so to speak, because they've been pretty quiet for a while
1: yeah no very much so and that's that's kind of the topic of our next podcast with absence is kind of what have absence been doing lately you know because that they have been very quiet they were they were chest thumping and beating the drum you know uh, 18 months to two years ago very loudly and then it all kind of went quiet you know but if you think about it it, it actually makes sense
3: for Landis to buy absence it's a good you know uh, addition to their to their current per- their portfolio so it, it does make sense but Landesk as a as a vendor, it's um, over here in the media.
1: You don't you don't see them a lot, do you? Not hugely. No, I don't. I don't see much Landesk. I mean, look, they're they're kind of one of those organizations that you've known their name for absolutely years, you know. But I mean, when it, when the acquisition happened, I really had to think about what Landesk really do, and I hit their website, so uh, uh, you know, discovered a little more from that. And as I said, Simon Townsend will cover a lot of this in the podcast, thankfully. So um, that's coming out within the next week or so. So anyway.
0: So, yeah, so coming up next, though, you know, let's talk about uh, Melio. So it looks like, um, you know, we can have a moment of silence for that product. Citrix has set that one out to sale.
1: Yeah, that was a bit of a weird one. I mean, I I think some of us knew about this for quite some time, but, you know, the, the, the public knowledge of this kind of happened back in March. I think Brian Madden was the, the first one to kind of publicly say, Yeah, Citrix have done this and you know and from what I heard the you know the whole the whole whole product was scrapped. Um, you know, the, the the guys behind the product had moved on to, to other ventures and it was kinda of one of the, the last acquisitions that were made under under the steering of um, of the previous CEO. So um, it's unfortunate. It to be honest I didn't see the play working all that well. I mean Melio was a was a Windows file system. <laughs> really i mean that's what it was you know it had some clever storage stuff and that kind of stuff but i mean it was a windows file system and um, there were there were talks of how they're going to integrate it into zen server but there that kind of never really went anywhere and or, or the, i still remember the demo we received at melio and they copied a file in, in one data center in, in london and, and magically it was available in uh, in los angeles and i was just thinking to myself isn't that just a scale file server <laughs> yes. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, and you know, it, it's always unfortunate when people lose their jobs. You know, so they'll, let's not make light of that. But yeah, it was kind of a head scratcher purchase, and I, I guess you know that was kind of them trying to get along in the play of you know VMware having vSAN and Microsoft coming out with with storage spaces and now storage spaces direct and and those type of things to kind of have that checkbox as well. But it was also kind of the the piece behind Workspace Pod as well. So you know, that could be another one to watch for to see what its future holds.
3: I agree. But if you look at the, um, so it was an art checkbox, but with a little bit of a mo- little bit more in-depth uh, product research, you probably had to find find out that it could be a potential mismatch between uh, the product and, and Send Server by itself, right? There there are, Um, It was obvious that there was a lot of work to do in Melio to get it to work with ZenServer.
0: Yeah, and that's why that was a head scratcher to me because I for sure thought it was going to be Atlantis because, you know, with ZenServer going 64-bits and all the work they did with Atlantis and the whole thing with, you know, USX and, and that, you know, it was like, okay, you know, maybe Atlantis is the target of an acquisition, but then all of a sudden we got that announcement, and so I was like, hmm. You know, you probably had less to do with, you know, integration. You had to do with Atlantis than you had to do with Melio. So, yeah, that is my, my,
1: my extra thinking on that.
3: If the price is right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I and you, you hit a really good point there, uh, Jerry. And it's easy for us to, to scoff or, or snigger about something like this, but there are really people fe- affected by this, and I didn't mean, mean to make light of that at all. I mean, uh, when I met Memo for the first time at the CDP meetings at Synergy last year, he struck me as one of the nicest guys I'd ever met. I'd I had a lot of time from him. I, I, engaged with him quite a few times on Twitter and that kind of stuff. And you know, they, they set out to solve a problem, and the product did solve a problem. You know, but as to whether the acquisition was, was the the right fit for the for for what they was trying to do at the time it's just unfortunate the way it's gone and it has affected people so yeah um uh sorry if i came across as a as um as uh malignant on that point that's definitely not what i wanted to achieve but yeah sadly the product has gone um on on the end of life topic um can we please uh spill a drink for my uh my good friend Dell uh workspace slash Quest vworkspace workspace slash wise v Workspace or whatever they were calling it in the final iteration. Um it's gone. I'm good. It was a good product.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, it was.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree on
3: on pure functionality. Um but you know if you look at pure the console and, and potential integration points it was a little bit lacking. It was There was not a lot of love for the console, and people do like I can.
2: What will be interesting to see is what happens to it from here. I mean, do you guys think that somebody will pick them up or pick up that code, or will just go out to pasture and die with Dell?
0: I'm hoping someone picks up that code, because they have some nice pieces, and, it, you know... Maybe potential for Microsoft or someone else to pick them up and, and do something with that IP, but I, I definitely hope someone does because they have some nice key pieces in there. Um, you know, To me, Microsoft makes sense, but I doubt that that will happen.
3: Yeah, I agree. I don't see that happening anytime soon. It's just too there are too many moving objects, too many moving components in V workspace for Microsoft to pick it up.
0: I, th- I think I, our, I, I think our friends at Nutanix should just pick up pick up the workspace IP plus um Unodesk and just there you go. Have your own solution. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would be interesting if the Nutanix got their own brokering technology. But yeah, I mean, it relies on RDP, you know, so not, not that there's anything wrong with RDP. RDP is very good these days, but yeah, it's there. I think what, what kills me about this the most is that it was a good product. You know, people like Patrick Rice, you know, a guy we've had on the on the podcast before, were passionate about the product. They understood its place in the organization, but they were still driving it forward. And most, embarrassing for, most embarrassingly for me, I had a, a considerably large customer in Ireland looking at it uh, up until the point they were about to purchase it. And then the announcements came out, um. So it was a, it was red faces for me, unfortunately. Um, that I kind of didn't see this one coming. But, um, yeah, I don't know what they'll do with it. Uh, the the, the, the does the cynic and anybody else think that maybe the 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 merger with VMware slash Dell could be causing this, or um, EMC slash VMware could be causing this? I think that's something to do with it. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason for them to have
2: competing products like that anymore. I mean, because Dell basically own, owns majority stake in VMware at this point. So I, I remember when that acquisition happened, somebody said that uh, they're going to bring vWorkspace to Sanjay Poonen on a platter and say, here, do you want this? And apparently he said no. So, I mean, you know, it's just uh, just somebody's thoughts on Twitter, but
0: it wouldn't surprise me if that's what how it went down. Here's here's some thoughts yeah. though. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they kept the IP, and and did some stuff with it and integrate that into the Horizon stack, or you know expanded some of the stuff that Horizon, you know, doesn't have today that maybe v Workspace has to kind of help with that feature set. You never know.
3: They do have yeah. the
1: streaming technology. Yep, that could be potentially interesting for VMware as well. So that was a PVS fighter, really, wasn't it? I mean, in theory, you could, you could, you could challenge PVS Citrix PVS with with the streaming feature that Wise had. So you know, I, I hear you there. Um, yeah, I, I kind of attribute it kind of a few workspaces at a functional level, kind of like what. Uh, VDI in a box was to Citrix in the sense that you know it it was a it was an entry level use case and potentially it could be an entry level use case with Horizon too, um. But like yeah, it's it's just unfortunate, you know. And again, it's it's people's it's people's livelihoods affected. And yeah, I, I really liked this product. That's why I recommended it. And it was from a price point, it couldn't be beaten. So, what, so what about uh,
0: this, think about this. So remember how you know VMware, the whole Microsoft thing. They had them kind of on stage at one of their events. Last year, what if you know they use some of the vWorkspace IP and said, "Hey, look, we're working Hyper V now," you know, as a kind of a all a branch to Microsoft.
3: I don't see that happening anytime soon.
0: I don't see There's that happening. Tr- yeah, I don't see that happening. But I'm just saying though, they they have that IP now, so they can do all kinds of things with it if they wanted to go in those kind of directions. You know, um, that's all. I'm I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think Microsoft and unidesk are, are definitely the uh, kissing behind the bleachers at the moment and I think that's where the the, the, the love is at the moment so yeah I, I don't I don't see that happening at the present time merely because of the the strong relationship between, between Microsoft uh unidesk and now the Azure play as well I think I think they're very much favorable or of interest to Microsoft and I'd be surprised if we don't see an acquisition in 18 months.
0: Well, that's why I brought just the, Hyper, the, the Microsoft thing because, you know, if, if VMware did em, embrace another hypervisor and then embrace Azure, I'm just saying they have the stuff where they could do that now.
3: I, well, uh, they're they're, they're uh, stepping away from free cloud there, aren't they? So they're stepping away from their own um, cloud-ish platform.
1: Yeah, and so why would, they embra- why would they embrace Azure? i i well I kind of see the point there I mean that they, they kind of have to does that make sense? I mean, there's a reason that you know vMware's second largest business now is e u c and it's not because e u c is suddenly really really important. it's because they're being challenged everywhere from a from a hypervisor point of view, and I think vclad air was only going to fly them so far. So, uh, I mean, look, they've got their new plays with Photon and with, and with containers and everything else, but I think I think they're definitely feeling the pressure on the hypervisor-slash-infrastructure side. So, um, to be honest, I'd be surprised if we don't see some kind of integration with the big cloud players this year. They have to.
3: Hey, about that integration, did you see Citrix promoting the Raspberry Pi as thin client? Don't get me started Um
1: <laughs> um, no, oh, I'm gonna dodge this topic a little because, I mean, as as anybody knows, I have a little bit of a of a vested interest in the thin client market merely because <laughs> merely because the thin client market is so stagnant and full of dinosaurs that you know it's very easy to innovate in it. But um, yeah, it's an interesting place. So, so here's the thing: the Raspberry Pi has a use case. You know, it's a cheap little entry level, uh, you know, machine designed for whatever it was designed for. But a suitable thing client en masse to to, to to generally suit everybody, here here's my challenge with that. Central management paid for a product elsewhere. A case for the box must be purchased elsewhere. Keyboard and mouse, that's fine. Single display output, not gonna fly. You know, it there's there's many there are many, many, many um downsides to to using a pie for for this kind of use case. And I'm not saying everybody should run out and buy thin clients because thin clients are stupidly expensive thanks to the thin client vendors. Uh, I'm not saying everybody should settle to the lowest cost of entry, which would be the Raspberry Pi. But I would hope that thin client vendors start to look at both models and try to put the two of them together because Pi is not going to satisfy everything. The price tag of the of thin clients is pushing everybody away. Something has to be found in the middle ground of whether that's Android or something else. Then that's just my. Two cents, and I'm going to leave that topic. Uh, but I know uh, I know, um, has uh, has some feelings on this one too.
0: Yeah, here's my two cents. It's good for the thin client market because it's probably going to possibly bring prices down because of that. Um, but from the management side, it's terrible just for the fact that you're introducing yet another console. You know, Citrix has a framework that they could use, you know, if they just expand it out more. You know, and I'm talking about Zenmobile. To be able to manage Linux. And today, Art has Android, and what? Android's like the biggest operating system out there, pretty much, on, the, on device wise. So you already have a vendor that's shipping Android um, appliances already, or Android that could be used as thin clients. You know, if you would just improve the receiver for Android to have the same features that Linux had, problem solved. On the other side, if you made Zen Mobile be able to manage Linux like you can with Mac OS and Windows, same thing. So it's like instead of trying to, you know, focus on this new shiny because our our Raspberry Pi is the the new thing, hip thing now to to, to play with. Why don't you improve the stuff in your stack instead of kind of trying to partner with yet another partner and another console? You know, that, that's just my whole gripe about it. <sighs>
1: I, theory, I could, do, it. so I could do an entire podcast on what, what is wrong with the think client market and the partnerships there. Um and if if we have time I'll circle back to that point because there's so much Citrix and VMware could be doing to help this market. But anyway, sorry Casey I interrupted you. Yeah,
3: so you you started talking about Zen Mobile, but what about Citrix lifecycle management or Octoblue? Yep. If if you could do in and of things kinda um integration with your with your endpoint, with your ThinkClient, I can think of numerous um, applications of Internet of Things talking from a, from a portal to your Think client to do stuff uh, in an automated fashion. So I do see the added value of the Think client or with the smarter Think client. I'm just not sure if the Raspberry Pi would be the the right form.
0: Well, and that's that's kind I'm of sure. my thing, too, is that you could take the whole – and this one thing I've been looking at and I'll be talking about in some upcoming – contemplations about that, that stack, and you saw me talk about some of this um, at the Dutch user group. Is that you could take Zen Mobile and OctoBlue and Lifecycle Management and make a pretty nice solution with what they have if they just focused on that instead of focusing on this new shiny called Thin Linux?
2: So I think on the Thin Client thing, it comes back to the performance. I mean, how many? Yes, we, we absolutely need management of these devices. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. But how many sessions have we seen at conferences about how to choose the right client devices for your work, your use case? Do you guys really think that the Raspberry Pi will be able to um, give enough performance to produce the right workload? Uh,
1: Performance no maybe but in most cases no for me it's 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 the lego brick approach you have to take with the pie at the moment and in fact that you have to bring pretty much everything to the table including a case to get this thing to work you know and i'm not yeah. talking about our dutch friend i mean an actual physical case <laughs> to, to put around the device you know so it's uh i i i i i, I I don't think this is a be-all and end-all. I think this is something that people are getting excited about because they've got too little to do with their time. Um, And uh, we're going to see what happens from that point forward. I mean, what, what do you guys think? I take it that's a resounding agree. So um, we touched on Zen Mobile there, but just uh, an email I caught this morning just by chance, uh, Zen Mobile 10.3.5. Works apps are being updated tomorrow, um, so uh, chances are your Zen Mobile environment is probably going to blow up. I mean, I'm, <laughs> uh, just keep an eye, keep an eye on oh the boy. App Store updates. Uh, Works Home is gonna push an update, and uh, I'm sure everything will be fine. But I got bitten by this uh, last big major update. Um, but they're adding some some cool stuff like a Touch ID to to Works Home, so you don't need to maintain a pin anymore if you wish to. And they're adding um, you know proper iPad Pro layouts, which I really welcome because if you've used uh, Microsoft Office on a uh, from a from a from an iPad Pro, you'll know how much you can do with that landscape, and I'm hoping Citrix do it justice. But um, just to put out there that, yeah, there is an update coming on the 4th of, uh, of May, and I'm hoping it looks well, um, or at least adds some stability. Good I, stuff. I,
0: I saw another interesting feature, too, which was called um, reverse split tunneling. Did you see that also in there?
1: Yeah, it's it's still whitelisting what you allow to the internet and everything else is blacklisted to the network, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so basically it's basically saying, you know, everything's allowed to your internal network and then you specify what you want going outside of the network, and you know, instead of the regular split tunnel where you specify what you want in and everything else is going out. So, that was really neat as well. And then also too, you know, they're going to have an API you know, along, you know, for more integration um, for native email for works mail. So, We'll see. Hopefully it goes uh, smoothly. Hopefully there's no issues. It always seems like with uh, Zen Mobile. when they make some kind of update, it breaks something, but uh, let's keep our fingers crossed.
1: Indeed. Okay, so um, Citrix Synergy's is just around the corner. Um, I know you guys are all attending. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not for, for reasons I won't disclose, but... Um, are you guys looking forward to it? What you expect to see?
2: I mean, you know, the the message at summit was focus on the core products. So, I mean, I, they'll probably I, they just released you know Zen Desktop seven point eight not too long ago. So they'll probably be sh- showing off App Desk what it can do, which yeah, we'll talk about that later. But um, I would expect some some updates to maybe NetScaler has been a little it's been a little while for NetScaler update. And I, actually, I think they just had new hardware versions come out recently, so we'll probably be talking about that, but I don't see very much coming down the road, but I don't know. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, to touch on the NetScaler thing, yeah, you saw, you know, there's going to be some bigger, it looks like there's going to be some bigger hardware appliances coming with, with higher throughput. Also, um, I don't know if you guys saw the firmware release yesterday for the VPX, that there's more um, VPX throughput options as well, but... Yeah, I'm hoping to see some stuff around, you know, NetScaler, um, probably see more around the virtual uh, WAN stuff, probably build on what we saw at, at, at Synergy, you know, focus on the core, but also probably give us, you know, a peek into what's coming, you know, beyond 7.8 for Zen and Desktop, um, you know, Workspace Cloud. Um, hopefully we see more integration across the product stack, um, especially with in Mobile, back to my rant earlier. Um, so it be interesting to see, especially with uh, the new CEO in place, um, you know how the actual flow and presentations go as well during synergy.
1: Yeah, I'd echo that. Um, I, I'm I'm excited because they have to do something good. Here, um, Christian Riley. I, I had the, the, the I had the pleasure of bumping into him. at uh, the UK Citrix User Group last week, and he's he's tight-lipped but very positive. So I'm hoping to see some cool stuff there. I know Case has been playing with some stuff that he's not allowed to talk about whatsoever, but he seems happy. So um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm gutted. I'm going to miss it, and I, I think I'm going to miss a good one as opposed to the last couple of years. Would that be a fair roundup? I
3: think you're spot on. I think this this is going to be one of the, the most interesting ones that you'll see in a, in a while.
1: Cool, cool. So, I mean, obviously, aside from Citrix, we've got some announcements that are that are due and that the industry is talking about. Uh, so, I mean, the Unidesk V four, I would expect to see this launch at uh, at synergy so we spoke about unidesk on a previous episode and, and with ron as well um you know so you know the pvs support the, the the um the intersession isolation which sounds cool so if you're at synergy pop by unidesk and hopefully they'll have something very tangible to show you similarly um FS Logics are being very, very quiet. Even though we're st- I, we have a very good relationship, with FS Logics—they're not telling me anything. So um, I'm, I'm getting—we're getting a briefing just before Synergy on what they're up to. So we'll have a podcast ready for you right after Synergy, talking about what their announcement is. But uh, if you're again—if you're at Synergy, pop by FS Logics because I have a feeling it's going to be good. Um, moving on to industry movement, uh, Michael Roth, uh, ex-Oreos Software, joined FS Logics last week. Um, which, or was it this week or last week? Either way, uh, Michael has a has a deep and rich history in uh, in, in AUC. He started off in, in vWorkspace, Workspace, right? Or was that somewhere else?
3: I think he started off with the streaming features in uh, uh, V Workspace, and then moved up to uh, to v Workspace when it when that streaming technology was bought.
1: And then, of course, he was he was in Thomas's uh, Thomas's new house, or yes, Software, for quite some time. Um and now he's he's moved over to FS Logic. So I saw a tweet earlier on from him today saying he was he's enjoying the start of life. So you know, good for him. Um, haven't I haven't had a chance to sit down and have a any great chat with him. Uh, this, despite the fact that he's he's, he's very well known in the industry, but um, I've he's eluded me so far. So <laughs> maybe I'll uh, I'll catch up with him towards the end of the year. But anyway, congratulations to him on the move and hopefully the the, the move is beneficial to FS Logic's and to himself. Um, Turbo, uh, we had Kenji on a couple of weeks ago. Um, talking about Turbo and uh, on Twitter, th- those guys are just going from strength to strength. Lots of people interested, lots of people playing. They seem to have a very clever product, so uh, keep an eye on Turbo, obviously. And our good friend Rory Monahan's in there too. Uh, and last one, I just wanted to mention was Cloudhouse, um, ex-product manager from from Citrix, Stuart Moore. Um, he has gone out into a s into the startup world, and he's joined this company called Cloudhouse, and they seem to be doing app V, but from the cloud. Um, they're in private beta at the moment, and trying. I tried to get into it, but I was told. Uh, no <laughs> but he has agreed to um to give myself a jerry and a briefing towards the end of the week on what the product is so we can maybe have a chat with him and his cto at bright forum towards the end of the month um so uh, keep an eye on Cloudhouse. i think this could be a cool one and you know um stewart was a clever clever guy at citrix had bumped into him a couple of times in the zen desktop team he was he was definitely a, a positive force so um with him Behind the scenes, I have a feeling this is going to be something that's going to be that's going to be coming onto the podcast very soon, and for the right reason. So uh, yeah. Anyway, that, that's just the industry movements updates. I'll hand over to to Thomas uh, for some a little bit of reality checking on the Horizon Seven release. <laughs>
2: yeah. So I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about um, you know Horizon Seven's been out for you know a month or so and how it's going out there in the wild. Um, you know, I haven't seen any. The, the big feature that everybody was excited about was just-in-time desktops. I haven't seen any production deployments of those yet, but um, everybody that I've seen that's been labbing it up, the results have been very positive. Um, it seems like that that feature was very well done by VMware. Um, the only issue to be aware of is that um, if you put your hosts in the maintenance mode, um, when doing just-in-time desktops, there's some extra steps that you need to take. Uh, you need to take in order to go into maintenance mode. And there's actually a KB explaining all that. That's something to look out look out for. Um, have you guys had a chance to to test uh, just-in-time desktops very much?
1: Uh, disappointingly despite how excited I was about it no <laughs> and yeah. the the reason being I, I read somewhere and I may be completely wrong that, that fees for six requires an art uh, you know esxi6 requires an update to the, to the latest and greatest and um, to be honest I just haven't bothered my backside attaching a console cable to my lab servers yet so um when I get around to it I will and I'm sure it, it'll look great I mean as as, as you echo as you mentioned I mean from what I've heard the feedback has been good the EUC VMware slack channel has been very positive positive. About it. There have been some some um, some talks about the maintenance issue that you mentioned already, but uh, yeah, no, it seems to be good. It seems to be faster than the other provisioning technologies out there. So that's really what they wanted to achieve. So good for them. <laughs>
2: Absolutely,
0: yeah, um, I, I like it. And yeah, I, I played a little bit in the lab as well, so it, it's very well done. Um, you know, a lot of customers I've talked to that don't have the licensing for it or contemplating, you know, what they're going to do because they like it a lot better than than using Link Clones or the hosting they're doing today. So it's been very well received. Is this that, you know, is this going to spur some licensing trade-ups from lower um, licensed customers?
2: Great point. Yeah, it is only in the enterprise license. You got to pony up. So, um, yeah, another big feature in Horizon 7 is the Blast protocol. Um, you know, I don't want to say successor, but
3: <laughs> essentially
2: the successor to PC over IP. Um, the protocol built in-house by VMware leverages H.264 for the encoding um, you know it's it's been performing pretty well from what I've heard as well um, you may have already used this and not realize it it's actually the HTML blast but it's available in the Vue client now so um, you may have already seen it but I want to give a shout out here to uh, Marius Sambu I hope I'm not butchering that name um, he has done just phenomenal work on his blog comparing the different protocols. If you haven't seen that, I highly suggest that you reach out and uh, read that.
3: Yeah, I was wondering about that, Thomas. Is Blast and Blast It's that's the exact same thing?
2: Yes, it is. Um, so, yeah, they um, it's using the exact same protocol, just they were rendering it in HTML previously. They're still doing that, um, but... You can also access it from the Vue client now as well. So um, the big benefits there are that it's it they claim lower bandwidth than PC over IP, and also they've been working very closely with NVIDIA for GPU offload. So, um, And the fact that it uses H.264 means that it can work much better on lower-end devices, um, like Chromebooks, for example. So, Or Raspberry or yeah. Pi's. And you could yeah, <laughs>
0: report,
2: report back. Let us know how that goes. But wasn't yeah,
0: the nice absolutely. thing though was the port change too? So now instead of having, um, you know, eight
1: four four three,
0: yeah, eight four four three. Everything over a standard port now, so you don't have that extra port anymore. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Cool. Also so tell too, us how you feel about app volumes. <laughs> well, real real
0: quick us. though, also too with that release, the latest version of the uh, access point, you can now do your two-factor authentication as well. So if you're going to the access points and you're doing like Radius, um, there's no more separate set of um, connection servers anymore. And you can just do the access points out in the DMZ and your internal connection servers and be good to go now. So,
2: Yep. And quick shout-out on the access point to Chris Halstead for uh, writing the fling to deploy that. Yep. Although I did see on Twitter recently, I think, The latest version of Access Point is 2.5, and he needs to update his fling to get that working. But outside
1: of that um great, careful with great. the fling careful with the fling we were talking to the product manager and uh, mark benson and uh he does not like the fling um oh, really? it's, not, it's not supported so um just bear in mind that the fling is great yeah. but, uh the the, the, the powers fling. that be behind the scene would per, per, before, prefer that you don't use
0: <laughs> yes but uh speaking of you know support for the new the new stuff in the product you can modify that yourself and do what you need because i've already done that for some deployments Gotcha. uh, Guys,
3: if you you need a fling to deploy something, isn't that,
0: you know, kind
3: of defeating the point?
2: Completely agree. (laughs)
3: Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I mean, there are some official PowerShell scripts and stuff, but still, yes, completely uh, agree with you, Case. I mean, there should be an out-of-the-box deployment method for the access point. Understood. Understood.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure, so, I'm I- sure it, it's coming. You know, it, it's early stage product. You know, for us that have we've been doing Netscaler forever, you know, Netscaler was a little wasn't as easy to deploy back in the day when I first came over to Citrix. So, just saying. Yep.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. So the other big, the other big part of Horizon Seven is App volumes three, which I don't know if you guys have had a chance to play with that, um, but basically. App Volumes 3 is uh, missing quite a bit. Um, Unfortunately, it seems like a product that was just kind of thrown out the door um, in order to work with just-in-time desktops, but very little else. What do you guys? What have you guys seen with that?
1: I heard the term "hot garbage" being thrown around, and uh, <laughs> it uh, it sounds like they went alpha straight to production. Um, which is fine, you know, because they're still supporting all the previous versions, and they had to do something to yeah. get it out the door. But so long as people are aware that this ain't production, guys, you know, right. so. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I haven't had the chance to play with it yet. I saw a couple of initial kind of uh, horrified faces from the field, and um, I decided I'd stay well clear of it.
2: Yeah, so the definitely the recommendation is definitely to stay on two dot ten if you have app volumes in production, and two dot ten does not support the just in time desktops. But I've been told that there is a two dot x version coming that will. So take that for what you will.
1: Indeed. So, I mean, so that's that's the VMware roundup. Um, the the Zen, so Zendesk Up Seven Eight, I launched at the year at the beginning of the year. Um, we've all kind of looked at it. We've talked about the the benefits and values and all the rest out there in what has happened, um, or you know, in 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 what the release was. I mean, has anybody gone to production with this for sort the of customer yet? Um, I have personally, but I'm just curious to see if anybody else has. Uh,
0: no. Same here. So I'm
1: I'm seeing customers. Uh, looking at
3: it and deploying it. Um, again, it's it's just another step into the right direction. It's just completing the, the, all the pieces of the puzzle. Um, you know, with with the zones, it's it's getting back to something that is. And I'm I'm almost afraid to say, it, but it's somewhat alike to Zen uh, 6.5, dot five, which was. It. <laughs> like I said, I'm always, I'm almost afraid of saying it, but it, it's getting there, and I, I really like the fact that um, you know we're separating out the releases uh, with bug fixes and security patches versus uh, new features. I like that. Um, it's getting on par with previous versions. Um, the only thing I need to you know, I've got a hard time to wrap my head around is um, is aptis. And uh, I did a quick 50-minute pitch on what's new with Citrix uh, on Aptis during the, the Dutch Citrix group, um, and it didn't seem that a lot of people were looking at it. Um, you know, I, I did ask some questions about who was looking at it, who was using it, and I didn't see a lot of hands. Um, and obviously, uh, Andy gave a great presentation about layering testing, so... Maybe uh, you want to share some information about that, Andy?
1: Sure. So, I mean, I've I've I kicked the tires of of Liquidware, Unidesk, app volumes, and app disk. Um, for for my my yearly presentations, and you know, app layering was one of them. Um, app disk is definitely kind of low in the low in the feature set. Um, from a, from an implementation point of view, for customers who are currently looking at it, just be very careful. There are some provisioning issues. You do end up with these errors um, to do with trying to delete disks that no longer exist. You know, there it. it it's 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 pretty raw. I mean, but the functionality of the App Disk itself. Um, I, I, I'm doing a blog post for somebody else uh, that I'm going to be releasing soon around performance, and believe it or not, App Disk p- performs better than everybody else. So, uh, I and I was shocked to, to to announce this. I had to check my I had to check my figures twice, but App Disk actually performs the best out of A lot of them. So um, very positive, um, you know, very positive way to go. And obviously, with the with the app DNA piece as well, they they have a they have a unique play on it. Um, but from a from a from a seven point eight point of view, I still don't think it's production ready, in my opinion. Does uh, what do you guys agree? On, uh, what's
3: your take on not being able to mount a log on?
1: Um. So. Mounting a logon sounds like a great idea until then you see the knock-on effects of having 10 app stacks attached and watching that logon process. Um, Attaching logon is a nice feature because you're able to maintain it in different ways, but there are pros and cons to all of these things. I've kind of just accepted the way Citrix are doing it at the moment, and you have to divide things by group. It's more of a management issue, management of golden images issue than, than a technology issue at this stage, in my opinion. Um, because all it takes is a restart of the of the provision VMs to change around what they're doing, and obviously the, the market leader Unidesk have been doing it this way for for years, you know. So what what app vo- what app volumes and what um, Liquidware Labs do around binding on logon is an interesting play it definitely has value but it's not it's not the massive issue that i thought it was originally when i when i started sat down and tested them all so take it with a pinch of salt would be what i'd say uh, really look at what you're trying to do and how you're trying to deliver your applications and if it's an absolute need well then maybe AppDisk won't um satisfy that for you but you know what app is free in every in every in every edition of zen app and zen desktop so there's you can't be free <laughs> would you it market it as good enough I would I wouldn't raise this good enough yet, just because I've seen I've seen some some funnies uh, with antivirus and seen some funnies with provisioning. I just if you're going if you're looking at it and you're going to just test the hell out of it before you go production.
2: The other thing about throwing in apps at user login is Windows can get kind of pissed when you throw in apps at, at login like that, especially apps that have services running or, you know, maybe have kernel mode drivers, things like that. So it completely depends on the app even with you know app volumes or flex app you may end up going with machine based uh, assignment anyway
1: well, that's it, you know, and what it all boils down to as well is that when you when you, when you you attach these things on boot or as part of the, the system startup, you're, you're natively letting Windows take care of those kind of things by having the, the, the disks attached early enough for the kernel to load the drivers, for the services to be started by the shell, all that kind of stuff, you know. But when you get into a, into a situation where you're binding things on logon, all of a sudden now you need some kind of secret sauce to trick the file system into updating, to trick the file system into starting services that are needed on demand, to trick the file system into loading print drivers and printers in so your, your secret sauce becomes far more important and that secret sauce is never going to sa- never going to um address you know 100 percent of the issues that applications are going to are going to derive because let's be honest applications are the biggest issue we have in our industry and they have been for the last decade and nothing changes despite how many um different ways we have to deploy these things you know so by by tackling it on boot, you're, you're allowing Windows to do what it should do and not upsetting the developers too much. By, um, by putting that secret sauce in the middle, that's where you're kind of falling into not supported territory and Windows having a little bit of a, a fit, as you mentioned there, Thomas. So, um, yeah, so I mean, that that's a disc layering in a, a, in a nutshell. Um, I'm not sure when we can expect the next drop of, of Zen desktop, but I mean, if you're looking at upgrading 7.0 is probably a direction to go, just don't, um, go up disc, assuming everything is perfect. Just test it. But I mean, look, you should be testing these things to the nth degree anyway, because that's what you do for production. <laughs> um, yeah. So conferences, Jarian, what's going on?
0: Yeah. So upcoming, um, here with what, two weeks, um, Brightform London, um, Myself and um, Mr. Morgan will be there, so frontline chatter will be in full force at Bryform London. Um, unfortunately, Mr. Morgan can't attend Synergy, but I will be there. I know Case will be there. Thomas, are you going to be at Synergy as well? Uh, to be determined. So to be determined, and then EDEVC right after Synergy, um, I will be there, and then again EDE um, e, or sorry e 2 evc Dublin, I'll be there as well, along with Mr. Morgan. And I'm not sure if Case was going to be there as well.
3: To be determined. To be determined. I need, uh, I need to talk to my CEO.
0: So a lot of stuff coming up. So if you guys are at the conferences and you, you see one of us, come talk to us. Frontline Chat will be there in some form or the other. Um, I do have some more stickers that I can give out. And we'll probably be recording at one of those depends you know who's all there in, in attendance um but yeah also too um i just went blank i was gonna say <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a first
0: thing. we're not recording live i'm yeah. totally
1: gonna keep this piece in just so just to so drive you nuts <laughs> no that's fine um and yeah yeah, thomas, yeah.
0: yeah so those of you who don't know because thomas just sent me a message i didn't know those existed we have some frontline chatter stickers um, I might have to order some more because we're getting low, but I will have those at the events. So Bryform, Synergy, EDE, um, myself, for me myself, I'll be at Bryform Boston as well. Um, so we'll be around all summer at different events and hoping to see you guys out there.
3: Absolutely. I'll be at Dot Next, so if you if you can give me some stickers, I'll
1: bring them to Dot Next as well.
0: Oh yes, and Case will be at Dot Next, so.
1: And- indeed um already well look um it, it's been a, it's been a tight schedule I think we just about satisfied it so um if you want stickers come hunt us down we, we give them away sparingly um case and Thomas thanks again as our uh, our esteemed experts for our panel uh, for coming along and, and discussing the, the 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 monthly um the plays by defenders and as we enter conference season I hope everybody she is satisfied and happy and gets lots of shiny things on return of said conferences <laughs> to make sure that we can carry on to do them <laughs>
0: so thanks for joining us today at frontline chatter on our express um catch up monthly edition of frontline chatter podcast for myself and andrew morgan uh thank you for listening and thank you for um case Baggerman and thomas brown for joining us as usual Um, hope you guys have a good day we'll talk to you next time